Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, we're going to take a bite of the Big Apple today with uh, the outstanding columnist for the Newsday. He is Greg Logan covering the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I, um, after seeing the Kevin Durant contract, Greg, uh, it, it obviously didn't surprise me. He's, he's well deserving of that. But do we now consider Kevin Durant not only the best American-born player in the NBA, but is he the best player in the NBA? Uh, I think when you look at the way he carried them uh, in the playoffs uh, when they were down, when they were missing Kyrie Irving and and James Harden was compromised by his injury, and then you follow that up with just a sensational Olympic performance. Uh, Once the Olympics ended, I think it was pretty well agreed, uh, consensus-wise, all over the world that, that he's the number one player in the world. Uh, I just I just don't see how you get around that. And uh, his former coach, uh, Steve Kerr, says that, that he considers Durant the greatest scorer ever. And that's uh, high praise indeed. Well, you know, we, we've, uh, we have to take into consideration Giannis Antetokounmpo with the fact that he won a championship this year. Uh, and I think uh, Antetokounmpo is going to get his due. But right now, I would say that Kevin Durant is the best player based on what he did in the playoffs, based on what he did in the Olympics. Uh, I don't think uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's insane to make that prediction. Uh, so now here are the Nets that um, made some moves during the offseason. One in particular caught my eye because I think it's an excellent addition, and that's Patty Mills. Uh, I always liked the way he played in San Antonio. I think he's a terrific addition to an already talented team. You know, honestly, that is a a fabulous addition for them. Uh, You know, Mills, uh, you look at his stats and, okay, he averaged 10 points a game last year, uh, but he's a career 38% three-point shooter. But I've seen him in the past, and he just has this ability to provide instant offense off the bench. Uh, He can be explosive. I mean, he has some average nights sometimes, but he also has some unbelievably explosive uh, offensive nights and then you saw the the patty mills in the olympics with australia where in the bronze medal game he had 42 points uh playing a kind of open free type of style that emphasizes three-point shooting and spreading the floor like he's going to get to do with the nets and it 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 just boggles the mind to think about what they're going to be like with Mills coming off the bench, uh, I have a feeling that 
you know, a lot of the times uh, Nets coach Steve Nash likes to use James Harden with the second unit. So I can picture a lineup that has uh, Harden and Mills on the floor together and, and Harden distributing to him, finding ways to uh, get the ball to him when he's open. And then if Mills is, is on the floor with, with basically the starters, uh, Harden, Irving, Durant, and Joe Harris in a small lineup, uh, that's just, who do you cover in that lineup? I mean, that is an amazing prospect to think about. And I think, uh, I think that coming off his Olympic performance and fitting into a system that is really going to emphasize everything that he does well, I think that's going to be just a, an enormous uh, addition for, for the Nets. And I could see him easily being in contention for six-man-of-the-year honors uh, hmm. the coming season. Well, they also re-up Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown for one year each. They lose Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, who I think is an outstanding player. But the bottom line is they didn't have him all last year. So how does he fit in with Washington? We'll find out. But let's talk about the other new additions. Uh, James Johnson, 12 years, eight different teams, a power forward. Uh, defensive upgrades, DeAndre Bembry, uh, the former Raptor, uh, uh, Dayron Sharp, a late first-round pick. How do you see these guys fitting in? Yeah, uh, we talked to uh, Bruce Brown yesterday, and and they introduced uh, DeAndre Bembry and, uh, and also Javon Carter, who came over in a trade from Phoenix. And all those guys talked about uh, their focus being on defense. And they're all uh, second-team guys, uh, and, and they're going to provide – the defensive backbone, you know, and then they didn't—they haven't introduced James Johnson yet, but that's another guy who is known for his tough attitude and his combativeness on the court. So all those guys are are going to make uh, the Nets a better uh, defensive team, and uh, and th- and give them a, a variety of options. Because the one thing they lack a little bit is uh, rebounding, so it, it'll be. A, team rebounding again this year but but they they can cover and they can play the switching kind of defense that the Nets are going to play and so you know getting Bruce Brown back he saw, he took his qualifying offer for one year you know they they didn't have to overpay for him and he's a he's a key guy to have back because he's so versatile and he filled in admirably as a starter last year and he played as the role guy even even as a small ball five at the height of six four, so he's he's a key addition. And then, you know, getting Blake Griffin back for the uh, for the veterans minimum was tremendous because that keeps their starting lineup intact. So well, uh, all things considered, they did a pretty darn good job. Uh, you know, in, in terms of preserving depth uh, uh, on both units, adding a little defense, and then you know, of course, adding uh, Mills scoring. Well, keep in mind that Blake Griffin's still getting paid by Detroit, so it's not like he's going to have to go out and clip coupons to put food on his table, you know? <laughs> he's going to get something like uh, $29 million. Yeah. Uh, what, what about DeAndre Jordan? Uh, I have a feeling the Nets tried to trade him. I don't know if there's any market for him. Uh, is there any thought of cutting him loose and eating that salary? Where do you see it? You know, I don't know how that's going to shake out. Uh, there were reports that he was offered around, and there was a lot of talk that maybe they could unload him to uh, Oklahoma City, which is taking on uh, big salaries and things like that. Uh, uh, but, you know, that that 
has to be a, con- a concern for them because uh, De- DeAndre had his moments in the middle of the season last year where he was very good for them, but he totally fell out of the rotation, and it just was clear that they reached a conclusion. He just didn't fit what they were doing. So you don't know, it, is it his relationship with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that keeps him there, or is there just no market for him right now? You know, because he's at an age where, you know, he's kind of uh, past it, and also he's a uh, he's a traditional kind of uh, center who who stays close to the the basket and can't step out and give you uh, that three point range and and force defenses to cover him out there. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's an uncomfortable fit. Uh, you know, but t- to his credit. Uh, He's he's accepted it and maintained a positive attitude with the Nets, but it's really kind of a uh, a black hole on their roster, so to speak, because he gets like ten million a year uh, for for two more years, and so uh, I don't know if there's still going to be anything in the works, but uh, uh, if they don't get rid of him b- before uh, the season begins, you know, I, I certainly would expect to see them try and move him. Uh, at the trade deadline. Greg Logan of New York Newsday covers the Nets. So if opening day were tomorrow, who would be the starting center for the Nets? Oh, Blake Griffin, without a doubt. Hmm. I, I don't think there's any uh, any doubt about that. It'll be him and alongside Durant and Joe Harris and then uh, Harden and Irving in the backcourt. Joe Harris, we know he's a great shooter. He had a great year last year, but he was not great in the playoffs. Uh, I, I would imagine that that bugged him quite a bit. Um, but, look, the Nets aren't giving up on this guy. The guy's still an outstanding three-point shooter. And if I if I t- make my guess, I'll bet he has spent a lot of time shooting one, two, three hundred threes during the offseason every day. There's no doubt about that. He's known for his work ethic, and, and he knows uh, – uh, how he makes his money is with that three-point shooting, and and he's he's been clear. He's taken responsibility for the uh, poor shooting performance that he had in the playoffs, particularly in the second round series against the Bucks, where he was just awful. I mean, and and in Game Seven, he had some open three-pointers yep. late in the game that could have put them over the hump and made the difference, and he just missed them. And uh, and that has been a knock on him in the past. A couple of years ago, he had a tough first round series against uh, the 76ers uh, but you know he is the NBA three-point percentage leader in two of the past three seasons and uh, you know he's just one heck of a shooter and he's a perfect fit in this system and and with with what they have around him you know he should be open he and he's been a key contributor in the regular season so many nights during the regular season he was the one who opened games up and got them going. And, uh, you know, they try to get, they try to design shots for him early to get him going early in games. So I'm sure he's going to work on it to try and, and overcome that, uh, you know, the, the failures he's experienced in the playoffs. And I just think that it would be a mistake for the Nets if they were to ever consider giving up on him because he's just too good and he works too hard. Uh, for that to continue in the playoffs, uh, I, I think he'll he'll come back and just be as great as he always has been with the Nets uh, next season. I would uh, be remiss if I didn't. When you when you're describing Joe Harris, 
it made me think of one of the, if not the greatest three-point shooter ever in the history of the league, and Drazen Petrovic. Petrovic, I spent a lot of time talking to him, and he said that during the offseason when he would go home uh, to Europe, he would shoot a thousand threes a day. Think about that, a thousand threes a day. He also had the greatest work ethic of anybody I've ever seen in terms of his physical conditioning and endurance. Uh, and I, I mean, I, when, when he passed, uh, it, I, it really bothered me because I thought so much of him and, and what a great individual he was, never mind basketball player. But if he wasn't the greatest three-point shooter of all time, you got to tell me who is. <laughs> I don't know. He, he was legendary for the Nets. There's no doubt about that. I never had the uh, opportunity to uh, cover him at that time. But uh, everybody I've ever spoken to about him uh, talks about not only what a great player he was, but as you suggested, uh, just a terrific uh, human being and, and a great teammate uh, for all those guys. You know, that uh, he's an icon with that franchise. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, there was one thing, and he had a great sense of humor, only he didn't realize it. Uh, <laughs> his, his English was good enough, but it was, it was broken a little bit. And they go down to play Dallas. They had lost like 14 straight times in Dallas to the Mavericks. And they go into Dallas one day, and they beat the Mavericks in Dallas. So I have them on the postgame show. And I said, how important was it to, to break this long streak? And he said to me in his broken English, don't want to be on ESPN. <laughs> I mean, he was he was so much fun to be around because he had a, he always liked to laugh, and his teammates loved him. I mean, even sourpuss Derek Coleman loved him. So <laughs> that's the highest crop. Yeah, as, look, um, great shooters, great players. You see what Durant has just picked up now—a four-year deal worth one hundred and ninety-two million dollars—and then Luka Doncic gets. 207 yesterday. Stefan Curry assigns a big extension. Look, these guys are being locked up with their franchise to, to solidify who they are the long term. But if I said, and let's just deal with the East, uh, the Nets are the favorite to come out of the East, or are we going to go with the defending champion Bucks? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, uh, the Bucks uh, actually have not added much uh i mean they're they're gonna have to stick with their core that got them to the championship and they actually lost a key guy in pj tucker right. to the heat and so uh you know i think the nets have added just enough to maybe uh get them over the hump against the bucks but you know either way it's going to be tough uh because because the bucks earned it last year uh they proved it in the in the finals and as you suggested you know, Giannis just gets better all the time. And really, over the years, he's always been a handful for the Nets. Uh, I think, I want to say last year that he averaged just under 40 points against the Nets during the regular season. And uh, uh, he's he's a, a tough, tough out. Uh, and and as long as Middleton and Giroux Holiday do their jobs, you know, they're, they're going to be very tough. But I think... I like the Nets depth, you know, but, but it's going to, honestly, to me, you know, they've always talked about the Eastern Conference not being as strong as the Western Conference, but to me, the, the East is going to be brutally tough this year. I mean, a lot of teams have improved. The, the Heat, the Wizards, the Knicks, uh, even the 76ers have improved marginally by uh, adding Andre Grumman behind Joel Embiid. I mean, I'm trying to 
figure out who the Nets have to match up against those two monsters uh, at center. I mean, just the fact that Embiid can leave the floor and they come in with Drummond is, is that's a one-two knockout punch. So it's going to be, it's not going to be easy for anybody, and it's certainly not going to be easy for the Nets. They're going to have to prove it uh, night after night, and they're going to have to stay healthy, unlike uh, last year when, when they battled those injuries all year. I mean, you just never know how uh, Kyrie is going to hold up. He's had a tough go of it the last few years. You don't know about Durant. I think Harden will come back, you know, once he gets past that hamstring. But because uh, he's he's been pretty durable over the years, but you just never know how the injury situation is going to play out for the Nets. So uh, there's plenty of teams uh, lined up to take their shots. There's no doubt about that. Well, you, you you I agree with you completely. The East is much deeper than it was. Um, you look at a team like Washington. Yes, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's there, and the trade that sent Russell Westbrook to the Lakers uh, gave um, gave Washington some some pieces that they didn't have, you know, Colwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma Pope, and Montrez Harrell. And Harrell, yeah. and then they also got Aaron Holiday from yes. the Pacers. And yeah. they, that's a pretty deep uh, pretty deep group. Yeah, what about the Chicago Bulls? They, they pick up DeMar DeRozan, uh, a sign-and-trade for Lonzo Ball. They get the Laker fan favorite, Alex Caruso, although I think uh, giving him a four-year deal was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, that that was a little uh, that was a little uh, surprising. That was an eye opener, but uh, you know maybe they see him as as a kind of a glue guy, which he he was for the Lakers last year. I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but the Lonzo Ball, Demar Derozan uh, additions are good. Uh, it seems like they're going to keep uh, Laurie Markkinen. Uh, I'm not sure how how that's playing out. Uh, but but they should be much better as well. Uh, I think uh, DeRozan is kind of a, an underrated move because I've always liked that guy, and uh, and then you put him uh, alongside Lonzo Ball, and and that's going to be a whole different look for the Bulls. So that's another team I should have uh, actually mentioned, you know, as as a team in the East who who could be in playoff contention for sure. I'll throw in Indiana. I mean, Rick Carlisle is a great coach. Uh, and he's not walking into an empty cabinet situation. He's got some talent there that were banged up a bit last year, but if they're healthy, which is always a key for everybody, but I think the Pacers are very much in the conversation. Yeah, they haven't done much in the, in the free agent market either, but, uh, but they've got a good core. There's no doubt about that. And then you put uh, Rick Carlisle behind the bench, and, uh, and that's going to be a tough outfit uh, for sure. You know, uh, they, uh, they, I, they actually did lose uh, Doug McDermott in free agency, right. so that's kind of, kind of a costly uh, uh, move right there. But, uh, but if Karis LeVert is is healthy, you know, he is a guy who's just going to continue to blossom. And uh, uh, so, you know, I think I think I was I was looking over their roster a little bit earlier today, and not much ha- has changed, uh, but. Without a doubt, Carlisle is, is an outstanding coach. And, and, you know, we aren't even to training camp yet, so we don't know what else uh, they might do before camp. Uh, Atlanta re-ups Trey Young for an extension, a four-year deal as well. And they showed, uh, they surprised a lot of people last year. Not necessarily beating the Knicks, but the way they beat Philadelphia. Uh, that kind of opened up a few eyes, I think. And they re-signed uh, 
Uh, I'm sorry, John went, Collins. John Collins to, uh, to, with, to a new contract. So that was a good move. It was necessary. But I think that they're very much in the conversation as well. I mean, they were fifth last year. Uh, the Knicks were fourth last year. I think it's going to be really hard, if not impossible, for the Knicks to get back to fourth, even though they've made some moves. Uh, and with the addition, certainly, uh, of Kemba Walker, uh, they're probably better at the point guard position, providing he stays healthy. But keep in mind, Greg, guys missed 55 games the last two years. Yes, I know. That's the whole key is is keeping Kemba Walker healthy. But, you know, he is going to be so energized and motivated because he grew up in the Bronx. And so it's a dream come true for him to return home and, and get to play for his hometown uh, franchise. And, and he's a great leader. He really is. Uh, it's it just all comes down to that help, uh, but fortunately they also did resign uh, Derek Rose, so they got him available behind Walker, and he's a guy who has kind of had a renaissance uh, with the Knicks. You know, he's never going to be the MVP caliber player that he was in the past, but uh, but he's still a very good, uh, very capable uh, guy off the bench uh, for them. And then I love the addition of Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've liked him uh, for years, and and uh, I know people are are questioning, you know, the money that he received. Uh, but I think he's a, a great addition, and and we saw how well he played in the Olympics for France, and what a difference maker he was. And so I I think that's a that's a great pickup. Uh, for the Knicks, and so it, it gives them a chance to remain competitive, and then there, there's also just you know, the, the attitude and, and the defense instilled by uh, the coach, Tom Thibodeau uh, I uh, before before they made these signings, I thought yeah, they're going to have a tough time keeping up this year, but now I think they've got a chance, I really do, and then they signed uh, some of their own deaf guys right. and and they're bringing them back, you know, Alec Burks and uh, Nerlens Noel, and so I think they're uh, they might be a little tougher than than people anticipate, provided, as you say, uh, that Walker remains healthy. He's he's absolutely a key for them uh, going forward. Greg Logan of New York Newsday. I got to ask your opinion because there's a lot of opinions about all the moves the Lakers made. Uh, clearly, they're playing for now. Uh, and not two years from now, they're playing for now because they've got a lot of veteran players and former Knicks star Carmelo Anthony joins his buddy LeBron James. They've been wanting to play together forever and a day, and now here they are. But LeBron, uh, Carmelo Anthony's 37 years old. Dwight Howard's 35. Trevor Ariza is over 35. Uh, I like the addition of Malik Monk. I like the addition of Kent Bazemore. I like the addition of Kendrick Nunn. Uh, and they re-signed uh, Horton Tucker as well. Of course, obviously, Russell Westbrook is a big story, but I heard a guy say to me the other day, he said, wait a minute, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, there's only one ball, and I said, okay, let me respond to that. I remember when the Nets got hardened, and when the Nets got hardened, everybody said he and Kyrie would have a problem sharing the ball. Well, it worked out, and I think it'll work out for the Lakers too. I, I totally agree with you. I think they are stacked. I I have a friend named Sean Powell who used to be a Newsday columnist sure. and now he works for NBA.com. Right. He, he had a great line about all the signings that they made of the old guys. He said they're playing for the 
M B A A R P title. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and and so so uh, you know it was a great line, but you know the fact is the, the guys they got are yeah they're they're beyond their prime. Who knows what Carmelo has left in the tank? But you know they covered a lot of bases. I I was going over their roster and they all these signings cover so much territory. I mean, Wayne Ellington is a terrific uh, defender and tough guy off the bench. They got Dwight Howard. Uh, they got Kent Bazemore, who I think is, is a good all-around player. And then they got a couple of young guys in Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. Right. And so they are, they have a supporting cast. When you put those guys around LeBron and Westbrook and Anthony Davis you know, to me, that is a powerhouse. And uh, I think uh, I think LeBron, of course, will be the one who sets the tone there. Like, he might do what Harden did. And, and uh, well, like Harden, he, he adjusted his game to fit with Kyrie, and he became more of a distributor. I think uh, James might, you know, he's always handled the ball he's kind of brought it up as a point forward and so on i think he might you know allow russell westbrook to to orchestrate and he can he can play off the ball a little bit more because he's capable of adjusting and he has the smarts and the mentality you know to do what's necessary to make that team the best it can be and uh, again they're a team with a lot of weapons and a lot of versatility uh in terms of defense as well as offense so i think they've done a a fabulous job i mean some people say well maybe miami did the best job in free agency i think i think the lakers did as as good a job as anybody in the off season Mm -hmm. you know with with everybody that they've added and how deep that cast is yeah, those guys have some mileage on them, but uh, but they also understand the Lakers system. They they'll have some chemistry together, and they're they're all smart, savvy players, and that's going to be just a, a heck of a an ensemble cast once they once they get used to playing together again. I'm going to make a vote for maybe the dumbest player in the league. What is Dennis Schroeder thinking about? I mean, he wow. gets an eighty. He gets an eighty-four million dollar offer, turns it down. Now he doesn't even have a job. Oh, that is unbelievable. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I almost feel sorry for him. You know, it's talk about a guy who just overestimated himself. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with him. I I have no idea what's out there for him at this point, but. You know, he's definitely going to have to settle for a, a minimum contract. Sure. I mean, does anybody even have any money left? Uh, I doubt it. But that that is a colossal error. I don't know who his agent is, but oh my god, <laughs> to blow twenty million a year for four years—that's crazy. Well, even no matter who his agent is, Schroeder's still the—he's still the client. I mean, he's got that's the right. he's got the final say. There's no doubt about it. That that is a, the most boneheaded move in the history of the NBA. I, I swear to God, I I don't know if I've ever heard of anybody blowing so much money as he did with that decision. And we still don't. Uh, my guess is nothing's going to happen with regard to Ben Simmons. Uh, there was all this talk that he, you know, that this team wanted him, that team wanted him. I think at this stage, now that we're into August, I don't know that uh, that the Sixers are going to make a move and. 
Look, the Philadelphia fans are tough. You know that. And I'm not sure how they're going to accept the fact that he's still with the roster. I think so. I, I don't see any way around it either. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I mean, they made it clear that it was available. There's no doubt about that. And and nothing even really came close to uh, happening as far as I could tell. And so uh, I'll be I'll be shocked if he's not still there uh, come training camp. Uh, I think they're just going to have to uh, – to figure out how to use him. You know, we've talked about it a little bit before. I think they have to explore a position change, you know, and consider, you know, maybe he should be a forward. I, I don't know what you do uh, because, you know, he's he is a, a great player. He can get to the rim so easily, and he's a heck of a defender. But, you know, he's he's – I don't know. Maybe you call him two-dimensional yeah. in terms of his defense and his and his uh, ability to score inside, but he's not a three-dimensional player for sure, and he's not a he's not a three-point shooter. So uh, you know they're they're compromised uh, when he's out there uh, running the point. And finally, before I let you go, we still haven't. There's no final dispensation on Kawhi Leonard. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to remain with the Clippers. But uh, it's curious that nothing has been finalized yet. Well, uh, actually, I, I thought that I did see that, that he's now agreed uh, to sign with them. Okay. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that he has reached an agreement with them. You know, but, but his problem is, you know, he's injured. So uh, I don't know how long that's going to take uh, for, for him to come back uh, this season. Uh, so they're, they're going to be compromised that way. And uh, uh, until, because I think I think at the end of the season he was playing uh, on a, a partially torn cartilage mm. in his knee. So uh, so I don't know what it's going to take for him to get back or how long it'll be. But I do believe that that they have agreed with him uh, to bring him back. I think it's going to be a curious season. Uh, with the Lakers, like everybody else, it's about the injury factor. Can they keep Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the floor? Can each of them play anywhere close to 70 games, or are they going to manage their time and give them some games off? Well, I, I, everybody has to take games off, cause, and they're still deep enough to win uh, when those guys do. But, you know, James isn't really in the habit of taking – too much time off as, as far as I can tell they might have to manage uh, Davis uh, for sure you got to keep that guy healthy uh, but I think honestly I just think Westbrook is going to thrive with that team uh, I'm curious to see how much Anthony has left and, and what he can add because that's a heck of a talent that you're putting into the mix you know and presumably they would bring him off the bench but you know that's a heck of a guy to put out there if he has uh, anything left that he that he can bring to the table, but I just love how deep that cast is, and and how they've kind of covered all the bases in uh, in the variety of talent that they brought back. And uh, I don't know, they I know that I, I've seen some books, you know, listing the Nets as the NBA favorite, but I'd have a hard time picking against the Lakers the way things stack up right now. Uh, I've got to see the Nets on on the floor and see if if they can rebound well enough to uh, to be as as dominant 
as I mean, they're they're going to be the highest scoring team in the league, but can they play enough defense and rebound well enough uh, to to control other teams in the playoffs, uh, which is where you really have to step up your defense. Uh, we'll see. You know, I I like I like what the Lakers uh, uh, bring to the court right now. No, I'm with you, and I think the Nets are going to be better defensively with some of the pieces they've added. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate your time as always, and most importantly, stay safe. Okay, same to you, Howard. Thank you. Greg Logan, New York Newsday. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube